Let's pray. Father, thank you for these songs. Holy, holy, holy. He is the one that was and is and is to come. All those things we're going to talk about right now. So be with us. Teach us, please. Um, help, help me to not mess too much. But we want to be a blessing. And there's some real needs here. So I pray that some of this that we're going to talk about may find a place in somebody's heart, in somebody's mind, and that we may get out of here with a sense of encouragement. So thank you so much, Lord. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So welcome to Revelation 19. Um, This is the climax of the book. In fact, this is really the climax of biblical history because here in Revelation 19, guess what happens? Uh, That king of kings... um, he, he lands for the second time on planet Earth, my goodness, to stay here forever. And you're coming, and I'm coming with him. Wow, no parachute training needed, nothing. We are coming with him, right? So that's what we're talking about. Think about that. Think about the second coming of Jesus Christ. And today, today, this lesson, he... Uh, Puts his feet in the Mount of Olives in fulfillment of Zechariah 14 or something. So all these prophecies of the Old Testament uh, are fulfilled, many of these right here, right now. And I'm the one to, to talk about this. I didn't want the tribulation. Hey, by, we're done with the tribulation. We're done with the tribulation. And from now on, it's gravy, right? The millennium, the kingdom forevermore, but this is the climax right here. So, Revelation 19, for context, I'm going to go to verse 11. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, you and I included, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may strike down the nations... And he will rule them with a rod of iron. And he he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written. Everybody, please, come on, say it. King of kings and Lord of lords. Wow. So welcome to the climax of history here. Uh, Jesus Christ has been... the, The revelation of Jesus Christ here is... Complete. I mean, we've had other pieces of revelation um, before, but um, now it, it is complete. Now, the passage for today, 17. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying to all the birds which fly in mid heaven, Come, 
assembled for the great supper of God, so that you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of commanders and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of those who sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free men and slaves and small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies assembled to make war, (laughs) to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. A.K.A. this is the so-called Battle of Armageddon. Right? Except that is the the, the most terrible misnomer of all times. This is the non-battle of Armageddon. Right? Like John said last week. Because there is no battle. Here are all the kings of the earth strategizing and doing all that preparation to fight this man on a horse that's coming. And all of a sudden... They are done. And this is, listen, this is the, you know, all-you-can-eat meat buffet for the birth of heaven. Look at this. This is gross. Here is God inviting all the birds of the heaven to have a feast. You want uh, meat of commanders? All right. You want meat of enlisted soldiers? Yeah. Mighty man. Horses. How about horse meat? I'll take that, 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 that. This is incredible. Right? This is the so-called, um, you know, all-you-can-eat meat buffet of Armageddon. So, and the beast was seized, and with him the false prophet who performed the signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire which burns with brimstone. Sorry, birds, you can't have this meat. These two will be thrown to the lake of fire for a thousand years. Right? We're going to see that in following Sundays. The beast, or the Antichrist, the leader of that coalition, right? The, the, the ruler of the world at that point, and his prime minister say he is the false prophet. 21. And the rest, the rest of humanity... You know, that doesn't know the, didn't know the Lord, were killed with a sword which came from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. You don't leave a buffet until you're filled. I mean, they were filled with that flesh. So, welcome then to the full revelation of Jesus Christ. This is very important in fulfillment of various prophecies of old, of the Old Testament, in fulfillment of Jesus' own predictions that this was going to happen, in fulfillment of what other New Testament writers said, this is it, welcome to Revelation. He was, he was revealed as a lamb that was slain in 5.6. He was revealed in... 22.13, as the Alpha and the Omega, the Overcomer in 3.21, listen to this, the Faithful and the True Witness in 3.14, the one with the keys of death and Hades in 1.18, he who walks among the seven golden lampstands in 2.1, he was uh, revealed as the Root of David in 5.5, the Bright Morning Star 22.16, the Firstborn of the Dead 1.5, the Ruler of the Kings of the Earth 1.5, who has the keys of David in 3.7, the one who is holy and true in 3.7, who has the seven spirits of God in 3.1, the lion from the tribe of Judah, 5.5, the one who with feet like burnished bronze, 2.18, the one who has the sharp two-edged sword in 
The one who has eyes like a flame of fire in 2.18. The one who was dead and has come to life. The one called faithful and true. In 19.11, the beginning of the creation of God, the one who holds the seven stars in his, his right hand, and there are many more pieces of that revelation. But today, ladies and gentlemen, he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So, full revelation, complete. And let's, so what I'm going to do is try to develop this thing. The revelation of Jesus Christ really starts in the Old Testament. So we're going to go back to the Old Testament and look at some prophecies that talk about this. And it will be death by PowerPoint. That is my nature. Right? I mean, that part of me has not been redeemed. So here is... The revelation of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament, it's kind of fuzzy, but if you put together, or I put together, the law, the Psalms, the prophets, we're going to see two streams of prophecies that are kind of intention, right? There are some stream of prophecies that talk about the Messiah, the revelation of that Messiah, as really meaning more of a servant type guy, weak guy, meek guy, suffering servant, blah, blah. And, and there's another stream of prophecies that prophesy about this king, this conqueror, this very powerful man that has come, right, to, to govern over Israel and over the nations. And so at the end of the Old Testament, there really is like a big interrogation. Is this talking about one person or two people? Right? How can he be servant and king at the same time? In other words, how do you reconcile, say... Isaiah 53 with Isaiah 9. Very big discrepancies. And of course, we know the key. The key is, oh, there are two comings of the same person. So here's Isaiah 53. He was despised and forsaken of man. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Verse 2. And like a root out of parched ground, he has no stately form or majesty. This guy is is not a king, at least there. But in Isaiah 9... We see another type of description. A child is born to us and the government will rest upon his shoulders and his name will be this and that and the other on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness. Are we talking about the same man here? Yes. See, one stream of prophecies really focus in on the humanity, again, of Messiah. Another stream of prophecies on the deity. How can it be God and man at the same time in the Old Testament? Big question mark at the end of the Old Testament. We know the key. Oh, incarnation. That's where the incarnation comes in. Oh, yes, he is fully God and fully man. So let's try to put together the puzzle that leads us today to what I would call, in the next 30 minutes or so, the Revelation 19 event. Okay? That's where we're going. Let's put together this prophetic puzzle because, again, this is in the climax of history. So, what if I give you all the pieces of a jigsaw puzzle and I throw them on the table for you and I say... Go put them together. Can you do that? I think you can. Can you put together the pieces of a jigsaw puzzle of 4,000 pieces? Uh, Yeah, but your question is going to be, what is your question there? Can I have a bigger table? No. Can I have the box, please? Right? Because you... 
you can't put together pieces of a jigsaw puzzle without looking at the pictures. You can't, but it will take you a long time. But if you know what you are trying to put together, not only that it becomes easier, but you'll find the motivation to actually start putting the pieces together. This is, this is a really interesting point about models of interpretation. In some interpretation systems, there is pretty much no picture to put together prophetically. And so, they don't talk about eschatology because they don't have too much to say about this because many of those prophecies are spiritualized, allegorized, and all that. But if you say, no, these prophecies, like in our tradition, we say, no, they, they are going to be literal. Right? I mean, this is normal grammar of English or whatever, Hebrew, and they are going to take place. Then, uh, let me give you the picture. That is the picture. Let's solve the puzzle together today. So, as you know, when you put a puzzle together, not all the pieces are the same. You are going to look instinctively for those corner pieces, right? The most important pieces of that jigsaw puzzle. And then you're going to look for the edge pieces to put together the frame. And then you're going to start putting together what follows. We're going to do the same today. <laughs> Did I say half an hour? Oh, that's with the introduction, right? So... We're going to try to... Let me give you the four corner pieces that reveal Jesus Christ completely as in Revelation 19. Without these four pieces, you don't have nothing. Right? So, this is great eschatology right here. Alright. So, first corner piece is the kingdom passages of the Old Testament prophets. The kingdom passages of the Old Testament prophets, and I am excluding Daniel here because Daniel will come in, in a minute. But if you know anything about the Old Testament, you know that it, these prophets of old, pretty much all, not all of them, but many of them, they foresee, usually in their last chapters of their books, a time of of prosperity, an era of righteousness, a Davidic king will finally come back to earth, will bring with him peace, prosperity, righteousness, and that theme is all over the Old Testament. You know that, right? All over. Like Joel, for example. Okay? You, then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, dwelling in Zion, so Jerusalem will be holy, and strangers will pass through it no more. <laughs> Have you been to Jerusalem? There's a lot of strangers right now. In other words, this has not taken place yet. We believe, I think we all believe, that this is still in the future. All these prophets saw that. Amos also saw this, what I would call this Revelation 19 event, because that's her passage for today. On that day, I will raise up the falling booth of David and wall up its breaches, blah, blah. And I will restore the captivity of my people Israel. I will also plant them, verse 15, on their land. And they will not again be rooted out from their land, which I have given them. Listen what Amos is saying. There will come a time in which the Israelites will occupy their land and will never be conquered again, taken captive again, etc. Right? Take Hosea. Take Isaiah, I mean, Isaiah also sees this, right, all over the place. In fact, Isaiah dedicates seven, his seven last chapters to talk about what we would call this kingdom coming from glory, universal peace, prosperity, and all that. So, 
That's number one. Piece number two, corner piece number two, and I need to go to Prophet Daniel. Prophet Daniel, two and seven. All right, so you remember, let's go. I'm going to treat these two prophecies as the same, as the same thing because pretty much they are. But remember um, Daniel chapter 2. Nebuchadnezzar, this king, has a dream. He dreams of this statue. And it's a weird statue because it has the head of gold, chest and arms of silver, uh, the belly and thighs of bronze, the legs of iron and the feet of iron and clay. So he is disturbed about this. And he sees a stone, not cut by human hands, it says, that comes to the statue and crushes the whole thing, pulverizes the whole statue, and this rock becomes a big mountain that fills the whole earth. You remember, most of us, that prophecy. And so Nebuchadnezzar calls Daniel the prophet, and Daniel interprets this prophecy for this king. King, you are the head of gold. Clearly, the Babylonian empire is the head of gold. After you, king, there will be another kingdom represented by the chest, the silver in your chest on arms, which from here to the past, we can very clearly see that that is talking about Medo-Persia. Then there's another kingdom coming with the composition and appearance of bronze, and we obviously look at the past and say, this cannot be in anyone else but Alexander the Great, right? the Greek Empire, and then there will be a fourth kingdom that has two parts to it, he says. Part of it was legs of iron, very strong. Part of that was iron and clay. This is the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire in two phases. The classical Roman Empire and the what we will call the revived Roman Emperor, em, Empire. And then rock comes. And Daniel explains the rock as this. In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed and that kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome, but it will itself endure forever. It looks like this. It looks like the same kingdom, an age of prosperity, that those other Old Testament prophets prophesied. Because it is. We're talking, ladies and gentlemen, about the Revelation 19 event, right? Where are we? Where are we? We are not in the classical Roman period, right? That ended in 476 when the barbarians enter Rome and conquer the city of Rome. We're not in the kingdom yet, I don't think. I don't see this Piece of, you know, period of utter peace and prosperity and, uh, you know, and I, I think we're not there yet, so we are somewhere in the middle. Alright, so that is the prophecy uh, of Daniel chapter 2, a little bit combined with Daniel chapter 7 in the interest of time. Piece number 3, prophetic piece number 3, to solve this puzzle, let's say, of the identity, the revelation of Messiah, fully developed now in Revelation 19, is Daniel chapter 9. If you have Tylenol right now, this would be a good time 
to, uh, to get one, right? So, this is Daniel chapter 9, because Daniel chapter 9 is an extremely remarkable passage because it is the first time in prophetic history that God is actually giving anybody some idea of actual chronology. See, the prophets knew that something better was coming, but they didn't know when. It's actually somewhere out there. Daniel 2 only said to Nebuchadnezzar, look, there's going to be four big kingdoms until the rock comes. Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome, and then the king come. By the way, did you know what that means? I think there's no China there. I don't see Russia, Russia there. I mean, that's just a sign note. Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Roman Empire. Unless there is a gap somewhere. Hint, hint. Okay. So, Daniel chapter 9 talks about the 70 weeks of Daniel. Daniel, for context, is an old man by now. He remembers that Jeremiah the prophet had prophesied that uh, there will be, it will be 70 years until the Jews from Judah would come back from captivity back to Jerusalem. And of course, everybody thought that that also meant that the kingdom would be reestablished. The king would set up his throne, build a temple, and all that stuff. And so Daniel then tells the Lord what's going on, because it's almost 70 years that I've been in Babylon. I'm an old fellow now. When are we going to get back to the land? And so essentially God says to Daniel, Okay, Jeremiah, you will return to the land in 70 years, right? But... um, But... um, the true restoration of the nation, listen to this, it will take 490 years. In other words, 70 weeks of years. 70 times 7 equals 70, right? So, right? 70, 490. 70 times 7 equals 490. Now, this, this 70 week period, this 490 week period, is divided, I don't know why, into 7 plus 62 plus 1. And the one that is really of interest to us is the one, what we call the 70th week of Daniel. So, I, 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 I went to college. I cannot have 7 plus 62 plus 1. And it adds up to 70 weeks or 490 Jewish years. Here it is. 70 weeks, Daniel, have been decreed for your people and your holy city to six things. Finish the transgression, make an end of sin, make atonement for iniquity, bring in everlasting righteousness to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. There you have it. Anoint the most holy place sounds like the most holy place. Isn't that the temple? Yes, it's a temple. You will have a temple. You don't have it now. There will be a temple. But, Lord, that sounds like this. Yes, it is. This, we're talking about the Revelation 19 event, right? But it continues, and this gets a little bit complicated. So, you are to know, Daniel, and discern that from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there will be seven weeks plus 62 weeks. In other words, 69 weeks. It will be built again, meaning Jerusalem, with plaza and moat, even in times of distress. Then, after the 62 weeks, 
the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing, and the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. Commentators just fight all over the place about these, these verses. They are hard to understand. So, notice a couple of things. There's two princes here. For first thing, right? You, you understand that there are two princes. There is a Messiah, the prince, capital P, and there is another prince that's coming, and then we'll, we're going to call him the Antichrist, the beast. And he appears again in Revelation 19. It's the same guy, right? So, let me get this straight, God. This is, this is really what's perplexing about this passage, that I th- really think the Jews did not know what to do with this passage in the Old Testament. First, you're saying, God that Messiah will come to establish his kingdom at the 70th week mark from the decree to restore Jerusalem, which we know exactly where that was, year 444 B.C. No problem. However, you also say here that at the week 69, Messiah dies. How, how can Messiah come... One week later, seven years later, to establish his kingdom if he died seven years before. And of course, it would have been nice if God would have told Daniel, he's going to rise again on the third day, right? But this is, and this is very common with prophetic passages. They don't tell you everything. That's why it's a puzzle and that's why the puzzle analogy works so well, right? So here it is. Let's superimpose the Daniel 9 prophecy on what we saw before. From the edict to um, restore Jerusalem, says God to Daniel, until the Messiah King, there will be 70 weeks or 690 Jewish years. But in this week 69, Messiah will die. Okay, let's leave it at that for now. He continues, and he, who is he? Is he the prince with capital P, the Messiah prince? Or is prince here the little prince who we will call the Antichrist? This is referring, most commentators would agree, to the Antichrist. The prince with lowercase p. And he, this prince that's coming later, will make a firm covenant with the many for one week. This is week number 70. But in the middle of that week, he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering. And on the wing of abominations will come one who makes desolate, even until a complete destruction, one that is decreed, is poured out on the one who makes desolate. It's like a tongue twister, right? But, but what it says is, here, let me give you the play-by-play here. I love to do these things. Here's year 444. Ara Xerxes, that, that, that king that is so hard to pronounce for me, issues the decree to Nehemiah, his cupbearer, to go back to Jerusalem and start rebuilding the, the walls. We know exactly the year because Nehemiah tells us so, right? Pretty much. From then to Messiah King coming into the Revelation 19 event, the passage for today, ladies and gentlemen, there will be 70 weeks or 490 Jewish years. 
divided in, I don't know why, 7 plus 62 plus 1 last week. If we put the Nebuchadnezzar statue on this timeline, this clearly, this 444 year, right, of Nehemiah clearly falls into the uh, timeline, the time period of the chest and the arms of silver, in other words, the Medo-Persian Empire. And so, Messiah, Daniel 9.27 says, gets cut off, meaning he dies, he is killed, in, in verse 26. The other prince establishes a covenant with Israel, trying to replace the Messiah that just died. But on the middle of the 70th week, he puts a stop to sacrifice and desolates the temple. Do you know what desolate the temple means? He comes into the Holy of Holies. We believe, I think there's history to that effect. And he, um, he uh, offers a pig, right, as sacrifice on the Holy of Holies. Okay, that is pretty desolate. So we are here, First Colony Bible Chapel, years after that, and we have a problem. We have a problem because we are here looking back and we clearly see, I think we can agree, that the first 69 weeks were fulfilled literally. We don't have any problem. That is recorded history. But the events surrounding the 70th week, we don't see that that happened. And it didn't. Right? The kingdom is not here. This period of, you know, of this Antichrist, this prince making a covenant with Israel and then breaking the covenant three years and a half into it. We, we don't have any history to say that happened in the year so and so. And so it must be in the future. And so many of us, you know, dispensational type guys make the arbitrary decision, but I think it fits perfectly like a puzzle uh, they're saying, well, the prophetic clock stops there and we are going, this prophetic um, calendar will be shifted and will be delayed to the future. There is a big parenthesis, in other words, in Scripture. We are in the middle of this parenthesis, this mystery that Paul and others reveals that the, the, the Old Testament folks didn't know anything about this. It's called the church. And so, the rest of that, looking forward for us, that 70th week of Daniel is precisely the theme of what? Almost a year of study at First Colony Bible Study. Chapter 4 of Revelation 2.19 is the 70th week of Daniel. We've been studying about the 70th week of Daniel, also called the Tribulation. I'm almost finished. So, Here's the three corner pieces. The last one has to be, guess, guess what I'm going to put there? The last one. One last very important piece to make the puzzle really work. That is the Olivet Discourse, Matthew 24 and 25. Bear with me. In Matthew 24, Jesus came out from the temple and was going away when his disciples came up to point out the temple buildings to him. And he said to them, do you not see all these things? Truly I say to you, not one stone here will be left upon another, which will not be torn down. And so they start chewing on that one. They go through you know, the valley of you know, um, 
and then to the Mount of Olives there on the east side. And he was sitting on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these th- things happen? Three-part question. And what will it be the sign of your coming and, and the end of the age? You, you know this passage we, we've done. Very interesting question. What will be the sign of your coming? Um, I think they were talking about this. Right? They were talking about the Revelation 19 event. They were not asking about the rapture. They're not saying to Jesus, Hey, uh, what sign will there be of the rapture of the church? There was no church yet. I don't think they knew what church was, even though Jesus had thrown around that word a couple of times. But notice, that was still for them, that was a mystery in my view. In my view. So they are asking clearly for the second coming, the signs accompanying, not the rapture, but the second coming. Lord uh, Jesus, uh, help us out here. We are here right now. If we look forward, is there any clues that you can give us to, so that we can prepare when you come back to land on planet Earth for the second time and establish your kingdom? And that's why we are following you. Right? And so, again, I don't think they knew about the church. So they are, act, they are actually um, asking about the kingdom as in Revelation 19. Right? Of course, before the revelation of the king, <laughs> they had to know, had to be informed about the period of the tribulation. And that is, ladies and gentlemen, I believe, the topic of Matthew 24 and 25, also called the Olivet Discourse. And Jesus answered and said to them, See to that no one misleads you. Here are the, you're looking for signs? I'm going to give you a bunch of signs. There's some little signs, there's some medium-sized signs, and there is the sign. There is an increscendo here. Hold on. And Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened, for those things must take place. But that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and in various places... There will be famines and earthquakes, but all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Graphic language. Right? This is like uh, contractions every five minutes. I mean, it's coming, but it's not that there's still some more to go. Then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. At, at that time, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many because lawlessness is increased. Most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. I fully believe this is re- related to the 144,000 in the tribulation. And then the end will come. So here are my signs. You want some clues as to when I am coming back? Number one, let me expand this 70th week of Daniel a little bit. Number one, there's going to be some little signs. False price will appear, wars and rumors of war, famines will happen, but that, earthquakes will happen, but that is just the beginning of birth pangs. But all of a sudden, 
Every starts like in really fast motion. If you really read Matthew 24 carefully, we don't have time, but it's really interesting. And then you will be persecuted, Jesus tells his disciples. And there will be an apostasy. Many follow, will fall away. And then one of the biggest signs is the gospel of the kingdom will be preached. And then, this is what I think, right? It's part of the puzzle. Jesus connects this to Daniel 9.27, our passage that we just kind of mentioned. When you see the abomination of desolation that Daniel was speaking of in 927, 927, then run. Don't walk. Run because this is... I am at the door. And so there will be signs of the sun and moons and stars. And then, you wanted a sign? Here's the sign. And then, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. Revelation 19 event. Again, it's an important piece of history, still in the future. Here is the sign, right here. In other words, the sign is Jesus himself. Listen, coming from heaven, not in a helicopter, in a horse. That would be a sign right now. I mean, we expect dignitaries to come down on choppers or planes or whatever, on a horse, that would be a sign for us that we're living here. With robes bloodied in blood, dripping in blood, and then the rest of us in white linen. That, that would be a sign, don't you think? People then will say, man, we are in trouble, right? And that's the, the import of this passage. So, I'm done. So, what's the conclusion? The conclusion is... We're coming with him. The, the history will, this puzzle can be solved. Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is coming to earth to reclaim that was, that was, was lost. And you, I just, today I just encourage you to think about this thing again. And expect that day when we are coming back with him to populate this new world, the kingdom, and when all these prophecies, all these sayings that are so obscure sometimes, will all come together. Amen? That's really the intent of my message today. Father God, thank you so much. Thank you that these people are so patient with me. I pray that some of the things we've said would really lift our spirits today. That would be encouraging to, know, to us. Lord Jesus, I desire with all my heart to be with you. Take us as a church so we can then go through the supper of the Lamb and then we can come back with you as part of your great army. We look forward to all that. It's not fantasy to us. It's not Narnia to us. This is real. Lord, thank you. We look forward to you coming as King. We, we love you, Jesus Christ. In your name we pray. Amen.